four, Alma Rain, then three more, Alma Rain, if you can see, Alma Rain, you'll come with me. Alma Rain, count to four, Alma Rain, then three more, Alma Rain, if you can see, Alma Rain, you'll come with me. You say we don't know, we say we don't know, we say. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Trek This Out podcast. Uh, Miles, my name is Miles. Yeah. Miles. Right. I just wanted to point out that because you're a guest host and we're very happy to have you, I'm not going to interrupt you like I do with Suki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm just, just waiting up on Deb's mother to walk in while she's in the middle of one of her bits. That's all I want. We're now on shot. Oh, she will. Dad's been, Dad's been watching Michael McIntyre and now he's threatening every time I disappear to burst in with a torch and go, it's the Midnight Ma Game Show. So, yeah, you never know what's going to happen here. I shall end it up with that, by the way, Maurice, you sound professional. Right, there you go. <laughs> Take two. No, no, you won't. No, you won't. Go on, start again then. Start again. Right. Hello, Where's everyone. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to the Trek This Out podcast. My name is Murray and joining me today are Suki. Hello. Drew. Hello. Andrea. Hello. And Deb. Oh, and Deb. Hello, it's a pleasure <laughs> to be here and lovely um, to have you join us, Miles. So, Miles. Um, Miles. Miles. Miles, Ooh. You see, she's she's been on another podcast, so she's getting people confused here. Oh no, no, I am, I am, I am so sorry. It's okay. Murray. It's lovely to have you here, Murray. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's better. I sometimes get called because my last name's Christensen. Some people assume that must be a first, so I get called Chris quite a lot by random people, which is a surprise. <laughs> so today we are going to be adventuring and playing some new and interesting games. Not like that. We are going to be play we're going to be exploring a, a definitely maligned, whether it is much maligned or not, episode of Deep Space Nine, uh, in Move Along Home. Yeah, so yeah, just um I'll start with Suki then. Initial thoughts. I would have been more generous today if Liverpool hadn't lost their game. So I'm now gonna rip into this. This is what the hell happened to this episode's ending? I mean, it was exciting all the way up until they decided to resolve it, and there was no actual peril whatsoever so i'm just gonna say good i thought he was okay up to a certain bit and then he just just ruined it for me at the end okay drew what are your initial thoughts um i was surprised at how much fun it was uh and how it's yeah it's not great but it is a lot more fun than i'd remembered it's andrea oh. I remember this from when it aired on BBC Two, a bit like Sub Rosa. I don't know if it was for the right reasons or not, but it was an it, it stuck. There was something about this episode when I came back to it years later. I went, yeah, I remember that. Um, I don't think Space Jumanji is a bad idea. I think, like conceptually, I think, yeah, it, it's kind of I can see how that could work. I just don't think it was as executed as, as well as it could have been and I think it's victim of some things within its control and some things that I think it's positioning it's very early Deep Space Nine I'll kind of get into that later but yeah I, 
good idea, badly delivered, I think is probably my my overall vibe. Okay, Deb? Um, I agree with that. I mean, it was, a, it was a great idea. I don't remember watching it the first time uh, round. And I'm at my parents, so I was really struggling to find time to watch it. And Snow will hate you for making me. <laughs> really. Oh, uh, but I would say the hairstyles are very nice because apparently the episode won an award for hairstyles. And that's really the best thing I can say about it. Apart from I'm just watching some, I read some tweets. Liverpool barely shot the ball on target today, a masterclass from Arteta. We are not discussing Liverpool. We are discussing <laughs> this terrible episode. I mean, Arsenal this episode. Basically, Arsenal have basically bitched Liverpool in front of the world today. It's not going to do my fancy. Deb, you're not, you're not yeah. putting my mood up by reading these tweets there. <laughs> Murray, what do you think? Tell me what you so, think. So. So my kind of view, again, I don't, well, I don't think this is the worst episode of Deep Space Nine because that's Profit and Lease, um, which is awful. Um, but uh, it's it's very much, I think, as a couple of people have said already, it's got very much signs of Deep Space Nine before we knew what Deep Space Nine was. Um, and I, I mean, there are things like, it's not, it's not loan production values, for example. Like, you've got some... You know, you've got some sets that they built specially for this, which I don't think we see again. The basic concept is... I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of point-and-click adventure games. Um, so this is like a live-action point-and-click adventure game, which to me sounds brilliant. Um, obviously, if you said to Murray, you're going to be playing Mist, but here's a trick you can die in it, the fun might wear off. But the, the gist of it was um, was quite good. So yeah, it's, it's not as bad. Like I think a few of you have said, it kind of falls to bits at the end. Um, I was almost going to try and delay this podcast another week because I don't know if any of you are listening to the Delta Flyers podcast um, with it's Garrett Wang and um, Robbie oh. McNeil from Voyager, but they finished Voyager and now they're doing Deep Space Nine with not quite alternating, but either um, Armin Shimmerman or Terry Farrell on. Mm. And uh, I was, it's, you get some quite interesting insights from both of them from behind the scenes stuff and whatnot. So I was almost going to say, I wonder what they say, but I'll have to wait. That'll be this week, I think, actually. So there's a competing Move Along Home podcast coming out, which is <laughs> somewhat... <laughs> you wait years for a podcast on this episode, and two come along at the same time. One, one thing that did strike me is because I haven't watched the early Deep Space Nine since I think it came out. Um, I'm very much a fan of when after Wharf joins, I think it gets a lot better. So uh, one thing that did strike me was just how the characters had, were different. And you could say probably they're still discovering who, who the characters are, but also they've only just met each other, haven't they? Um, but Bashir is really um, an idiot and nobody likes him. Um, but, that, you know, I think that's fair that, I mean, I know this is the only one episode I'm, I'm watching, I haven't watched, but he, he, he is um, he's an idiot, isn't he? He's got no social skills, really. And for some reason, he's going at the beginning. Um, Kira hates um, because of the, you know, quite legitimately, there's a split between the Bajorans uh, and Starfleet. Um, uh, Cisco is just a bit of a boring twat really and um and Odo seems to be quite 
sensible really because he knows his job and and that's that but there's none of the friendships is there all the um they don't like each other they don't know who each other are and that i thought was was quite interesting i don't think it's just about the writing i think it it legitimately is because of they're suddenly chucked on this spaceship without a space um center thing whatever uh and uh, without knowing um who, who any of them are so i kind of i kind of like that um so yeah just building on what you said uh we haven't really bashir i remember from first season i remember really not liking bashir um he, he was kind of a combination of your slightly creepy guy for how he chased dax in a lot of the early episodes i think to an extent as well i mean um uh, sid's alexander siddick's acting was again and you could also blame directing he was a bit off in a lot of this like you said when they find him in the maze he's standing upright in a wall screaming like he's asleep and i don't know if that was i think he was possibly meant to be lying down but then someone said well then cisco's got to find him in the ground and someone might have said ah hell with it let's just stand him against the wall and i do like kira being like when she's first in it and she's like Oh, I'm sure you're all really enjoying this and all your Starfleet types are loving it, but I did not sign up for weirdness. I signed up to administer a space station, to do docking stuff and occasional cargo searches and killing Cardassians wherever possible. And I did not sign up to this to to go into weird spatial things. Um, so yeah, I think, and I think it's also just Deep Space Nine went on to be the big arc plot of Star Trek. And I think in this, it's still, this was probably what was pitched to the network of um, every week, something weird's going to come to the station and odd stuff's going to happen. And then at the end of the episode, it'll all be resolved. You know, like in Next Gen, they went to a planet and weird stuff happened. In Deep Space Nine, it's coming to them. And I think this was sort of possibly what Deep Space Nine could have been had different hands not taken it in a not even arguably better direction. I say it is it's kind of that early trek series issue isn't it like you think about like tng season one's like it's very tos in its storytelling it's trying to find like how do we tell star trek stories for a late 80s audience so it kind of had to overcome that i think voyager's first season is that kind of how do we make Star Trek without the staples that make up lots of Star Trek? Like we've got rid of all the aliens that everybody knows and loves. We've got rid of Starfleet. Like we've got to try and find a space with that. I think everyone, you can kind of see that in that first series trying to find its identity. And I think for Deep Space Nine, the issue was it was that single location and it was very much in danger of becoming quite soapy and kitchen sinky almost, um, which I'm really pleased they didn't do. Um so yeah, I think it, it's kind of it just hasn't found its identity and just that kind of ending. It's almost like it could have been a sitcom where they all kind of like and everyone was okay, haha, and like laughed and like looked at the camera knowingly. And it it's like <laughs> yeah, it, it hasn't like found its lane yet. So I think maybe if they tried to make an episode with those plot points a lot later on, I think we'd have got a better version of this. So I think some of it is a victim of just where it kind of falls because it's only the ninth episode it's really early in the run i don't think it had it had anywhere near kind of even like worked out what it wanted to be at that point so i, th I think it's kind of there's a bit of an uphill struggle there see my problem has been with this episode the the ending really has been i mean i found everything up until that ending seemed to work you know the the crew were in danger 
there were there was things happening to him. What happened to Bashir? He might have been killed. And as it was a brand new series, virtually they could have killed off a main character. Now, if they'd have taken minor characters on uh, as part of these uh, these four people and actually killed them off, they wouldn't have had that jokey ending at the end where Hawk starts suddenly chasing after the uh, the alien race, Wadi, whatever they were. If they'd have had some sort of danger, this would have been a lot better in my eyes. But because they just went and had this, you know, rug pull where they just changed it, where uh, you you everybody survived and there was no danger, oh, I just bought it for me. It really did. It was just horrible towards the end. I just didn't find it uh, an appealing ending to this. I did kind of think like how it would have changed the mood of the episode if they'd done the traditional Star Trek thing, which would be take three main characters and a red shirt, and the red shirt kind of appeared like deceased after the first round or whatever. Like it would have kind of upped the stakes a little bit, but they, they kind of haven't and really put our sensible Star Trek hats on. We should know that if it's four main characters, nobody's going to die. Uh, but I was going to say, even with the. Um... You know, yes, we know four main characters are going to die, but some form of peril. Um, one that I thought of, do you remember way back, season one TNG, the second Q episode, the episode with Q where they have to fight pig things on a planet dressed in Napoleonic uniforms? Uh, the episode title's escaping me. That one, you had that bit where Yara's in the sin bin, they called it, um, and she's back on the bridge, but basically Q says, oh, if someone else breaks the rules, they're going in the sin bin. And well, what happens to the person who's in the sin bin? Oh, they vanish. You know, they they cease to be. And you could have had something like that where was it Bashir was the first one to die off? I think it was. And Bashir kind of appears in a wobbly force field. And then they say, Oh, yes, if one of your other pieces fails, then you know, you've got a chance to win him back, but otherwise he'll be dead. Um, that could have maybe given us a bit more peril. I'm not sure how yeah. this Flights could have killed him more. That's my yeah. only kind of. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just he was approached by some Christmas lights, and it was like, oh, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about you know, so well, there's four main characters, and none are going to die. This is still the first series where we're getting to know who they are. They're learning, saying it's not just the writing. The characters don't know each other, and and so I kind of think some of that's justified. But you could think that, couldn't you? And when you were watching Next Generation, then all of a sudden, what, Tasha Yar? Mm. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> she's not coming back. So, yeah. So, I mean, I knew watching it again, clearly, that, um, well, maybe, maybe actually Bashir does die and he comes back with a personality. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't mind the uh, the rug pull at the end myself. You know, he's, he, they've always got a reset button on a lot of Star Trek episodes, haven't they? And that was like an ultimate um, reset button, really. <laughs> now, I was going to mention it as well, though. You said about um, Kira saying, oh, I'm not a Starfleet. We got that from Odo as well, didn't we? When he was going to, he was wanted to go on the Wadi ship and uh, the security's like, oh, you can't do that. And he's like, oh, I'm not Starfleet. It's a bit hammering at home, wasn't it? I'm glad that they've dropped them bits, really, from it. But um, the other thing is, Jake, so young but you, you did have the um what goes on the the lovely relationship between uh ben and jake I mean, like he kissed uh he kissed jake on the head and it's it's one of the best things i think of the ds9 for me is is the relationship between um jake and ben 
Yeah, uh, I mean, definitely the Ben Jake relationship is always nice, and uh, it's just it's a convincing parent uh, relationship. And uh, again, you know, I think quite often people do quote Cisco as a good single parent. Other character who had forgotten existed, because um, I think they gave up on the idea of him halfway through the first season. The other security guy, Primond, um, mm. who Odo talks to, there was meant to be this tension of. Oh, he's Starfleet security person, but Odo's obviously the chief of security, and they're bumping up against each other. And like they had him in for a few episodes, and then he just kind of vanishes. You know, it's, it's almost like he's you know opened the wrong airlock at one point and just ended up gone or gave up. Was tired of Odo shouting at him every other episode and just left. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, to an extent revisiting first season. It's oh, I'd forgotten about him. Oh yeah, that guy. I think there, there are some like hidden little gems of those eight character beats and it is really early days. I, I think you see those scenes sort of between Jake and he, his dad and, and your dad's going to give him the talk later, poor old Jake, like <laughs> sympathies there. Um, so, and, and I suppose it was very different because when you think realistically, we'd not seen a Starfleet captain with a life beyond being a Starfleet captain. Like, that's like that's your life like that's what you do we, we've not seen like someone trying to balance like having a family and, and having sort of other aspects of them lives so I think that was something very new at the time and I think they did quite a, a good job of establishing that really early on that kind of clash between the two things and um, I think even sort of key was you started off with I'm not Starfleet I'm not here for this like and at the end like she had the opportunity to kind of jump across and and, and, and abandon them and she went no no I'm not leaving yet and, and stayed so it's kind of those early those early sort of character things I think Hawk gets some some character development because actually kind of has a full-on breakdown when he thinks he's actually going to make a decision that's going to hurt somebody I think Odo gets his little there's that little bit of tension around the security but you kind of see he's like a dog with a bone I'm, I'm going to resolve this so I think for early days they're kind of planting the seeds of those characters we know and and come to love yeah definitely I completely and utterly agree and and the other thing is because Deep Space Nine it is different to any Star Trek we've seen before with the families and that, and the crew not getting on with each other. Because famously, Rodenbury was like, oh, no one argues, so we all get on well, which makes it even more stupid when people say, like, oh, Discovery goes against uh, Rodenbury's wishes and he would have never made it. I mean, he wouldn't have made Deep Space Nine if he was still around, would he? Uh, you know, I was going to start saying Gene's vision, but we should probably stay away from from that. Um, yeah, no, it was <laughs> Deep Space Nine's one of the first series. Again, you're talking about Cisco with you know his sort of family life outside. You could almost see that in Next Gen. I also had the feeling that you know every week and probably on days we're not watching, other stuff happens to the Enterprise. It's constantly bumping into weird, swirly things in space, or coming across a planet full of people who worship narwhals or that sort of thing. And there's always stuff happening. Whereas Deep Space Nine, like you could imagine that, you know, from whatever happens this week to whatever happens next week, like it is just like, yeah, there's a freighter coming in from um, just, uh, you know, a freighter coming in from Beta Z. Uh, it's got to get docking permission. Oh, this place is coming in for repairs. Oh, there's a survey team going through the wormhole. And like most of Cisco's job is basically like an administrator. He's sitting in an office filing paperwork and he finishes at the end of the day, packs up his little Star Trek suitcase and trots off back to his quarters and cooks up some nice food for Jake. He's, a, um, he's, one he's of the, a traffic controller, that's what he was. That's what he yeah, was, a yeah. traffic controller. One of the other things I think um, 
I think it was Andrea mentioned it. Um, you get a really good turn from uh, Armin Shimmerman with Quark. Uh, the bit as he's breaking down, you know, he starts off with his kind of cheating, and he's in, he, he thinks he knows what he's doing, and then he gets in over his head. And uh, I did quite like the kind of you know when at least you are convinced that Quark thinks he's going to kill someone. You know, again, sadly the rug pull kind of undoes it at the end, but um, initially it is quite good. Yeah, um, Armin Schumann's excellent in this. He's comedy chops shining through. I love the bit when the uh, the Wadis start playing and like he says, oh, you know, have you got money? And he says, oh, got the clan pigs. And he's like, oh, sticks. <laughs> and uh, was it the alpha current nectar? And he takes it. Bleh! And then the, when the gems come out and his eyes are just like shining. It is really good, Quark, uh, in this, I think. And yeah, and the, and the begging, definitely. I was just going to say, I feel like it's kind of that there should be some indication there that he's not the best Ferengi ever. Because I think, like, Drew, I know you play board games a lot. And if someone just sets a board up and puts some pieces on it and gives you some dice with, like, unknown symbols on them and say, yeah, we're going to play, are you going to bet on this? Like, you're unlikely to be thinking, yeah, I totally understand. Yeah, you just got to play and you work it out as you go along. Um, And I feel like one of the rules of acquisition should be something like don't bet if you don't understand the rules of the game but like he's like no no i'll just roll and to be honest he could have been telling those dice said anything and he's just like yeah yeah it'll be fine um but it's a bit like the betting sticks they could have like turned up with a, a bag of dirty socks and said this is like really valuable, valuable in our culture this is what we're gonna bet um so i, th- I think that should maybe when they when they try to bet with sticks maybe should have been a bit of indication that they were a little bit naughty uh so yeah i think that's actually an interesting thought where the because the wadi basically turn up and it's cisco's doing his big first contact and they say no we just want to go to quarks i hear you've got games where are they just turning up as like interplanetary con artists you know do they just like show up see if they can trade off and you know swap something valuable for sticks if they can swing it they'll uh you know make you play this game which is effectively the equivalent of someone pulling out like an entire two Warhammer 40k armies and then saying, right, roll the dice. Oh, no. No, that was your HQ unit. Oh, that, oh yeah, yeah, I know there's rules about that. Are you going to tell me them? Not until they come up. Yeah, what could that I, I unit think... do? <laughs> Sorry. It's yeah. a bit like making first contact with the basement. We all turn up and go, yeah, but have you got any gin? <laughs> it's like, these are my kind of aliens. They've turned up and went, where's the bar? It's at the convention as well. <laughs> I wonder if they've heard... Apparently, Ronald D. Ronald D. Moore, who of course came to a major role in in Star Trek uh, in the future, watched this episode and uh, said, "Has everyone lost their minds?" <laughs> and I kind of agree with that. No, I, I yeah, I agree with him for the end of the episode, and I keep harping on now there is some good as everybody's mentioned there is some really good things about this episode and there is the interplay between the main characters uh where they are getting to know each other and this is their early character traits that they've got and uh, there's always conflict between bajora uh bajorans and starfleet and odo and security and this is great it establishes a better character these new alien race, the Wadi, I don't understand their character whatsoever in that they've just suddenly turned up as a first contact. But instead of, you know, we shall negotiate, we shall get treaties done, we shall do some bargaining, we get some uh, 
peace treaties done or whatever you'd like to say, trade, whatever. But then they decide they're going to go straight to the casino and have a good while of a time. Uh, so I just don't understand their reasoning, their motivation as to why what they're doing in this episode. Your good points of the character, you know, say about the character tropes and interesting, but that's all in hindsight. Do you think you were watching this at the time and you didn't know how those characters are going to develop? You just think that's a bit trite, isn't it? Um, I mean, the scariest thing was the girl and the, the hopstock scotch, and the best bit was trying to see Cisco do it as a straight face. But also, you're saying this alien race turns up. How do you know they're aliens? They've just gone and put makeup on their faces. When they first turned up, I actually thought it was Rimmer um, from Red Dwarf. I thought they were all going to come in as, as holocausts and, and be a bit anal. Um, I, it, it was bizarre. It was bizarre. I, you know, I mean, they sweated a bit. I'm sure that would have run off, you know, down their nose. I just really, I think that shooting that scene, or, or even better, I'd have loved to have been a fly on the wall at the table read with a group of actors who don't particularly know each other that well, um, some of whom have, have come from quite significant sort of drama backgrounds, and it's like... Can I just jump in? There, there was a there was a, um, a photo of uh, Bashir, uh, Julie, or whatever is the actor, uh, Sid, Sid. Um, there was a photo of him up against the wall going, ah, you know, that bit. And the caption underneath was uh, Alexander Siddick at the table read. So, go on. Yeah. Well, yeah, so someone else has had the same thoughts. But, I mean, they must have felt like dicks doing that hopscotch scene. Like, really, it's like, is this where my career has led me to? And I reckon if it was in, like, season five or six, when they all know each other and they just, like, are completely immersed in that Star Trek world, you think, just roll with it, just roll with it. But they must have been questioning their life choices at some point when they were shooting that. Um, but my favourite bit, actually, which I, I don't think gets enough of a mention, is the gassy party. Because all you've got to do to survive is get this. Like, I would be so good at this game. Like... <laughs> You put me in, and you had know, a made cork a fortune. This is like it's geared up for my my style. Yeah, you t- Deb, you said about um, Cisco's face. I think it was Kira. Kira is the one that steals <laughs> that hopscotch Alamarine scene for me because she's because the others all seem to be getting into it, but she's just so straight on it. I, I don't know whether it's like Nana Visitor is a brilliant actor playing Kira being no interest in it or it's actually nana had uh no interest in it but she's hilarious i could watch her uh, doing that hopscotch just over and over and over very funny yeah going back to that's yeah that scene where they're doing the hopscotch now that reminds me of a doctor who episode called the five doctors where there is a whole scene on a chessboard like uh floor and they have to jump over it by uh doing pie now the actor that had to do all this was Richard Herndl, who's an elderly gentleman, and all he did, I don't think he did what these actors did in this episode, was he said, it's as easy as pie, and then walked straight across the board. Now, one day he decided, I ain't, I ain't doing the hopscotch or skipping or doing whatever, he decides to walk across the board. Whereas these guys, they, were, they did really go for it in their own way. And you, you're right about Nana Vista, right at the end, you can see the board look, not the board look, the frustrated look or... The, the what the hell am I doing look as she does the 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 whole hopscotch bit and the hand movements as well whilst reciting the rear of the rhyme. I think she, as uh, Drew says, she was uh, excellent for, for that scene. Uh, you wonder if after, you know, in, in universe, 
after this scene if Kira's sitting there with you know message to the Bajoran High Command going, yeah, I'd like to talk about transfers off of Deep Space Nine. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think of things that have happened in the prior episodes, but they've had Q turn up at some point. Uh, you know, I, I got stuck in some weird adventure game. You know, can I have a job? You know, I don't know who's who's dealing with water and sewage in the Datapa province down in Bajor. I, I'd like I'd like that, please. There's there's also I just realised another connection to where uh, the Five Doctors because it's all set in a game where they've got real life characters as pawns. So so does um, Five Doctors. They do have a real life ca- uh, game with character uh, pawns, uh, and they're all being set on the uh, board. And they have to be interacting. And if they die, they're taken off the board. Uh, so, yeah, that was something else. And this uh, Five Doctors was like 10 years before this episode. So just to, uh, you know, say we got there first. <laughs> yeah, that that bit where, um, because Odo goes to Quarks, doesn't he? And uh, and that and when they're looking at the uh, the board and they see the four pieces and then they kind of like dong to them. And it's such a leap of logic isn't it why why would they ever think like oh yeah that's that's the uh, that's the missing officers they're obviously trapped in the game somewhere it's just there's no way you would ever leap to that is there well yeah i mean it's i did appreciate that odo kind of comes in and go you know jake says oh my dad didn't come home and odo goes oh, i'll keep an eye out for him and then it's like hang on you know, we've lost four officers. None of them left the station. And, you know, he goes up to Primin and Primin says, oh, well, they were probably just partying really hard. And he's like, uh, no, they're, they're not on board. You know, this this is serious. But yes, to then suddenly, not, you know, what, he should, what would be normal is for him to walk into Quarks, go, no, oh, they're playing some sort of weird board game. You know, again, like the cult of walking in on someone, you know, walking in on, like, say, you playing Attack Wing or something. And Sitting there, you know, after you've lost a fleet of ships, and going, wait a second, he's got tiny spaceships. My God, Drew, you're playing with actual ships. Um, you know, that's that's sort of the leap of logic they make, um, rather than, you know, should have been going. In, nah, clearly he's been busy with this the whole night, right? Okay, I'm off to go and start crawling through events or something. Um, yeah, it's, it's a a fair leap of logic. Um, so there's a couple of episodes in these discussions which which have come up kind of, and I know Drew mentioned Aquiel a few times about that kind of bland, forgettable. So I watched it yesterday, and on paper it should be a really good episode. It's like it's really in my lane. I like that kind of mystery type, and it in a, a little bit like this, it kind of there's a decent idea in there, and there's a bit of a setup, and then it kind of it was the dog all along like it's that flat ending that feels really silly but it takes itself super serious there's nothing about that episode other than it was the dog which is like amusing or like memorable or so in in a way I think I would prefer something that like at least like you know it's a bit of a meme I've had a lot of laughs out of this episode like I I think I would rather have the memorable maybe not the best episode than the episode that had kind of a really good idea and it kind of fell on its ass and was quite boring. I was kind of used that as a, as a sort of yardstick to compare. And I, and I think similarly, it was a good idea that didn't, I don't know why, it just didn't gel or come together. It, it's kind of boring and forgettable, where at least this isn't forgettable. It's got like, and you might just, because you remember that bloody Alan Moraine, Alan Moraine, which will <laughs> ring in your ears forever more. <laughs> 
But at least it's got like it's got a fun element to it. And I think like I would rather have a bad episode, a bit like Sub Rosa, that I can derive some fun from rather than just one that like kind of blends into the and I don't think that's the worst episode of Star Trek by a mile, but I think it does suffer from that kind of like good idea that didn't really go where it needed to. It doesn't really hit. I have had an idea though, which I, if anyone copies this now, I'm going to sue you because I wrote down Cisco in an escape room, and I don't know why the Star Trek convention hasn't done the move along home escape room. Like, there's money to be made there. I think we should email Jason Joyner immediately and say this needs to happen. <laughs> you know, I'll have a, I'll take a sixty percent cut for the idea. It's a good idea, just done horrendously bad, and I don't think there is any worth in it at all, apart from seeing the faces of them playing hopscotch but you've just persuaded me that um now uh yeah there could be some strength on it really so long as i do manage to go in the escape room with with cisco but the, not not um, jason isaacs <laughs> oh we wouldn't escape <laughs> we may get distracted actually uh because oh, he'd be Amy, trying to our escape friend, <laughs> our, our friend is that Jason like <laughs> uh, no chance we'll barricade the doors um yeah our friend Amy is actually in the queue to get his autograph at the moment in Orlando so we might get distracted we're looking for any updates um but yeah I, I um one of the things uh, yeah lower decks that was all I was going to say has actually I, I didn't understand what that was about so now I've got to re-watch it <laughs> if, anybody's, if anybody's wondering what uh, Deb's going on about, it's the the lower decks episode is called "In the Cradle of Bexilon and it's season four, episode three, right, where they do go back to uh, the 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 game of Chula. Chula, uh, so, yes. So uh, check that out because it is well, lower decks is excellent anyway. And um, I'm going to kind of agree with Andrea here. While I still wouldn't quite rate this as a good episode, it at least isn't boring and. Uh, you know, I will watch some deliberately awful Trek uh, voluntarily and for fun. Um, the Way to Eden, for example, uh, which is the one with the space hippies, um, if you remember that. Uh, Spock's brain, I actually do have a soft spot for it, even though um, artistically and as a piece of entertainment television art, it's definitely not good. Uh, but I'm much more harsh. I think uh, when people have possibly heard me talk about Trek on any Trek watch-along podcast that I can find, Usually, I'll start glomming onto. Um, I'm much more harsh about an episode that bores me than an episode that's terrible but entertainingly terrible. And in this one, I wasn't bored for the most part. You know, there wasn't like it, it cut along at a fair um, pelt. You know, you, you you didn't really have time to pause for breath, and it didn't spend ages in any one scene. You know, they were going from puzzle to puzzle. You know, and oh, on the escape room thing, I seem to remember hearing there was probably in Las Vegas or something because. They always get nicer things than we do. And there was a Star Trek Discovery themed escape room. Um, I could be misremembering, or I might have dreamed it, but I'm sure I heard someone was there was something like that. Yeah, I was, I was just going to try and bring the episode up a bit. I was talking about something I I liked in it, and that was Joel Brooks playing a fellow. I think he's hilarious. I mean, he's he's only got two things to do. It's either like look annoyed. Or be completely over the top, shouting "Move along home" and "Elamarine," isn't it? I think he's really good in this. Actually, no one else enjoys uh, his fellow. 
I do feel like, you know, without wanting to, you know, disrespect the wadi or anything, they do seem like a, an entire race of arseholes. Like, <laughs> you know, hats off to them want to go to the bar, but they are like space sticks, really, aren't they? You know, they're not like, they're not the, the, the people you choose to socialise with. They're really smug about everything. Like, everything's, ha, ha, ha. The first chef is for children. Ha, ha, ha. And it's like, I would <laughs> never met you before he's never seen the game before and he's like oh he's such an idiot he doesn't know it's like um, how he didn't get nutted at any point (laughs) I think it's one of the biggest plot holes for me we've only got um their words that they're aliens really I think they're just some student (laughs) freshers out on a pub crawl have painted this stuff on their heads and they're just going oh let's see what fun we can have if we nip onto this space station you know they're not aliens at all they are students what race is Chakota? He's the one with face tattoos on, isn't he? Human. He human. Yeah. human. There you go. So if he's you, these guys are probably uh, same cult that he was part of. But going back to uh, the actor, I thought he was excellent. He was really, he really did play it well. But uh, and again, it was a it was a simple portrayal of somebody, as Andrea said, he was smug. But the fact that there was no other speaking Wadi apart from the little girl, I just think, how can they base a whole race on this one character? These, these, all the other ones, all they did was just laugh and giggle in the background and act uh, mysterious. Yeah, try to act mysterious or stupid or whatever you like to call it. It just, it just seems strange they, why they didn't give lines to another character to make the race more interesting. Oh, the the reasoning for that apparently is that a speaking extra costs more than a non-speak. Sorry, uh, background <laughs> actor is now the term uh, that they prefer. Um, but yeah, speaking part is more. And apparently, this is one of the weird things I've picked up. When they did have a speaking part, they quite often, for just like one or two lines, it was quite often thrown to the stuntmen for the main cast, so they got paid in episodes with no stunts. Um, it was just a nice little touch, but that, that wasn't him. But yeah, no, I do agree. He kind of jumps between... Like you say, this larger than life, ha ha ha, move along home. But he does still manage to, conv- you know, I was sold on it being a dangerous game because of the menace he kind of portrayed more than anything. You know, the, the he, he definitely put a bit of threat. And when he finds Quark cheating, um, he definitely had a sense of, oh, it's all going to kick off. And not just like he's going to send a strongly worded letter to Cisco saying that Quark cheated and a diplomatic instance happening, you know, something nasty was going to happen. We get our first mention of Broik, uh, the other Ferengi in the episode. And he didn't get a line at all, and yet he's been in 60, 70-odd episodes within the series. <laughs> it's just strange that this guy has been in so many... It's like the character of Morn, uh, the actor, he's played Morn. He's been in so many episodes and yet never got put, uh, into the, the front credits. He's always like one of the background credits. Gonna say that guy spent like six hours in makeup to say nothing. <laughs> they could have given him a line. Like, come on, he's had a long day <laughs> to shoot 30 seconds of footage. Like, come on. Like that doesn't seem fair at all. And apparently that was quite a few people who played Alien Extras had a real complaint. Uh even apparently Michael Dorn complained if he had to show up to work and get all his Klingon stuff on, and if he was only in like a scene. He apparently got quite miffed. And you might sit there and say, ah, you're prima donna, but I can kind of see it. You know, they it's not like Patrick Stewart turned up to makeup like 20 minutes before he was on and just got, you know, a quick touch up here and there. It was, you know, he, you know, like a lot of the actors with the big face makeup, they were in like 
uh, I can't remember something. I think uh, Armin Schumann said it was something like three hours before and three hours after to get the makeup on. So I can imagine yeah, if you're in for a scene on that day, you had six hours in makeup, you're going to be a bit miffed. So like the logs of Nana, Nana Visitor and um, uh, Terry Farrell, where they just got to have a little bit of a touch up on the makeup and the tattoos and the nose piece, and that's it. They were they they might have decided you know this is great for more, and then you got the characters as you said the background extras who have to go around putting on the whole face prosthetics, yeah. uh, Michael Dawn with all his makeup and Armin Schumann with all his uh, makeup and uh, things that he's got to put on his face. I can understand. I can understand why they will get upset. I mean, there's these tales of these actors having to come in at like three or four o'clock in the morning, sit in the chair for about two or three hours, get their stuff on, and then uh, they're there for a long day. It's great when you've got loads and loads of scenes, but when you've got like a two second behind, uh, standing behind the captain, a uh, little scene, and that's it. Yeah, I can understand why they get miffed. I, I can understand that. I mean, it takes me ages just to come on this podcast with all my makeup and the facial hair that I have to put on and glue on. You see, like, I can understand if I don't get a chance to talk, I will get miffed. Yeah, should we just talk about, you know, um, is it Shap 4 at the end when they've got the, the chasm and uh, Dax has hurt, Shap hurt her leg? Shap. <laughs> Shat. Shat. Is it? Shat. <laughs> Shat. 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 I'm not too sure. Yeah. Um, anyhow, the chasm, and so Dax is hurt, hurt a leg, and uh, Cisco says to Sakira, doesn't he? Oh, you, you jump over it after he's throwing the big rock in there, you jump over it, and we're gonna go around the side. And I said, Why would you ever jump over that? I'd be like, No, you jump over it, I'll go around the side with Dax. Thanks very much. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It doesn't look that uh, wide, that little chasm. Really, she could have jumped over. And to be honest, I think Dax could have jumped over, really, as well. All they they needed, could have hopped over yeah, it. Just one of them threw and the other one caught. I'd, I reckon that would be easy. I don't know, you don't know what Bajoran's strength is like, I don't think. She could have been able to throw, throw her or catch her at the other end, maybe. Well, I, just towards the end in that kind of like force with the, the polystyrene rocks and the, the shaking camera and stuff, um, you detect an intense bipolar current, which felt really on brand for this episode for some reason. Um, I don't know who wrote the script, but yeah, that seems like on point. Um, my other observation from this scene is like, I really want a Starfleet issue bra because nothing moves um, and don't clean. <laughs> Don't write in and tell me that the ground's not moving, the camera is. But, you know, that's just a that's a fine detail that, like, I'm, I'm probably allowed to notice, but maybe some of our males. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would quite like a, a Starfleet issue bra if they are that supportive in an earthquake. Deb's waving something at me. She's... I can't do minna writing that quick. The uh, writer, Michael Piller, and I think on that basis, you are completely right. <laughs> yes, Michael Piller was the one that came up with the story. Frederick Rappaport, uh, Lisa Rich, and Jean Carrigan Fauci uh, were the actual um, writers who wrote the teleplay. But going back to the uh, the acting on the ledge, uh, where they all are quite, I was quite impressed with that actually. I know Andrew just mentioned the camera shaking, but the fact that they also did their little movements as well. I didn't notice the bra bit. I do apologise. I mean, I don't notice these sort of things. 
Oh dear. Anyway, but I don't know to see sort of things. But I, I was quite impressed with the fact that they were all doing the shaky camera. And I mean, they they do it all the while when they're on uh, uh, Enterprise Bridge, where anything comes along and the camera has to shake, and they all do the movement. And now they do it in the cave as well. I was wondering if these are the same polystyrene cave uh, backgrounds that they've used in other episodes. I was trying to see if I could recognise them. Well, that's what I was actually wondering was, is this our famous cave set and is this its first outing? Um, I, I know um, when and me and Drew were last going through uh, Deep Space Nine, the, the cave sets became quite a... quite. You know, we started noticing it quite a lot that it's those same caves and they showed up in Voyager as well, definitely. And I'm wondering if they're the same ones that were used in Chain of Command, but it's almost now, you know, is this possibly the saddest part where I'm going to say, no, I'm going to go back and we're going to watch through all of Next Generation and all Deep Space Nine and find out when those sets first appeared. I could look it up. I mean, I suppose I could just Google it or something, but, you know, that seems like a, a better use of my finite time on this planet. There's going to be a website out there that has actually listed the cave sets. <laughs> yeah. so you, you don't have yeah. to do any work yeah. then, Murray. Just Google it. And, and lower decks, of course. Yeah, we've got the the cave uh, episode, haven't we? Now, fantastic episode that was, oh, brilliant yeah. episode. So, does anyone have anything else on this, or have we thoroughly? Um, I, I think I, I wouldn't actually call this a kicking. I think we've been we've been relatively nice. Um, you know, we've we've not taken the risky road, and we've not been forced onto the cave set, and none of us have got our ankle trapped in a rock. Um, so, uh, anyone else got anything else, Suki? Yeah, the, the only thing that I'd like to add, it, it, as somebody says, it was, um, I think it was you, Marie, that said about the budget on the show. This was the highest budgeted show or episode of this season for some reason because they built the sets and brand new sets and all this stuff uh, because they weren't using the standard uh, Deep Space Nine corridors and background sets that they'd got already. But this is something that they had to build in brand new. And at one stage, it might not have been uh, an episode that they could have filmed because of the extra cost. Uh, the other thing was the, the the actual game, the Chula game, the physical game. At one stage, because I haven't seen this episode. In fact, I don't think I've seen this episode at all until I had to watch it for this podcast. Uh, it just reminded me, maybe, was this going to be like a, another version of three-dimensional chess that Spock and uh, Kirk play? I thought, oh, they're going to be moving the pieces up and down loads of way. But the fact that they were doing shaps, uh, level whatever it was good, each level like, was uh, some difference. Other than that, Dungeons and Dragons dice, that was the other thing. <laughs> the four, four die, uh, four piece die that they've got. Uh, and I just think it's, oh, that's Dungeons and Dragons. All right. With little bits added to it, just to make a little difference. I mean, for myself, the only other thing, but this is uh, into the absolute minutiae, is I think Dabo looked different here. Um, so, so the game that they were playing originally, Dabo, which um, goes through Deep Space Nine without you understanding how it is, except something spun, and every so often everyone shouts Dabo, which I think means you've won. Um, in the later episodes, I'm sure it's like multiple wheels that rotate in different directions, but possibly at this point it was a slightly cheaper props so it's basically roulette but with little kind of spiky balls rather than like a normal one um so it's i wonder if they change the rules i'm just wondering that because quark's been noticing uh, a bit of sh uh, decided he wants a bit more showmanship he's decided to make, make it a bit more exciting so things are added to the ball uh, to the uh the dabo game 
as the series progresses, just to make it, oh, this will make it better, this will make it more exciting, it'll entice more people into my casino, because we've got all these spinning roulette wheels and stuff, maybe, you never know. I mean, if you play Star Trek Online, you can actually go and play Dabo. Um, I still don't understand what it is, but every so often, like, you'll play a round of Dabo and it'll flash up and say, you win! I go, yay! So um, if someone's going to run into a game where they don't know the rules and start betting fake money on it, uh, it turns out it's me. <laughs> so, yeah. See, that's that's what I'd like to know. If you're you're playing this game, you need to know who's in charge. And if it's Quark, <laughs> I will not be playing, especially if you've got that little button underneath the table where it can just <laughs> manipulate the, uh, the little roulette wheel. Uh, yeah, so I... No wonder you're losing your money if you're you're being a sucker there, Murray. You're being a sucker. At least it's not real money. <laughs> that's, that's that's it's fake in-game money. In fact, it's called press Latin, which is useful for absolutely nothing else in game. But that's an aside. Uh, anyone got anything else? The only other thing I've got in my notes is I find Ben Cisco with hair disconcerting. <laughs> <laughs> I think that shows how often I rewatch really early episodes as opposed to later episodes. So. But yeah, it was like, oh, I forgot about the hair. <laughs> it was surprising. <laughs> yep. no, I've got to admit, I actually found, because I think, is it Pick TV has been showing Deep Space One of the channels way down the programme guy has been showing Deep Space Nine again. And you know, sometimes if there's nothing on, I'll pop on an episode. And I've seen a couple of later, you know, sort of series six, seven Deep Space Nine, and it's quite hard to reconcile... You know, as you say, the the more aggressive, bearded, bald Cisco with the definitely, I think they were definitely playing him a bit more gentle in the early episodes. I think they did want him to be uh, a bit less full on. So I think he was kind of dialed back a little, whereas towards the end, I think they let Avery Brooks go full hog and was better for it, in my view. I know, I was just going to say, he does a riker, doesn't he? Grows a beard and becomes a far better character, I think. You, you certainly becomes a bit more unhinged. I mean, he, he's, he is at war by the end of it, isn't he? You've got to be giving me his fair dues there. He's a lot less on his plate on the first season, really. Well, that's a thought. Is, is the actual, because we don't ever hear from the Wadi again, um, did what happen? Uh, the founders showed up, Ravorta shows up at the Wadi homeworld and say, come play this game, and they lose, and a whole of Jem Hadar turn out and annihilate everyone on the planet. Just you, you finally messed with the wrong group of people here. They graduated and all became chartered accountants. <laughs> There's the only other thing I just remembered is uh, the fact that Jake is picking up all his sex advice from Nog, uh, and I, I was thinking. <laughs> That's a great little character bit for him. Uh, and Nog, where's Nog picking it up from the Ferengi, uh, from his people, the Ferengi people? And how do they treat women? Not very well. So uh, I can understand why Cisco uh, was thinking, oh dear, am I bringing up my son? Why is he hanging around with his other boy? Uh, and uh, what, why is all his girlfriends rubbing his ears? <laughs> <laughs> how many lights you see? Help! Help! I asked how many lights you see. Um, so we've finished. Uh, that's the general discussion finished. Uh, I think now we'll go into uh, ratings, rating lights. Uh, so, Suki, how many lights did you see? I saw, I, I think, at least four to five, if it had enough peril in there. But I, it's not going as high as that. I think it was a decent, entertaining episode. 
it was well acted by most of the extras, even though some of the characters tried to be, is a bit jarring because they're they're fighting with each other. So I'm just going to give it a three because I think it is just middle of the road. It could have been better, a lot better. But because of that ending, it just takes a lot off for me. So it's just three out of five, mate. Okay, Drew. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely overhated this episode. It doesn't deserve the hate. I think it's fun, but it is also a bit silly and a bit rubbish as well, isn't it? I, I give it like five clan pigs. <laughs> but I can only give it three lights, I'm afraid, because it's it's not worth anything more than that. And we now know the clan peg and light exchange rate. So <laughs> Andrea. But I'm I'm not gonna be as generous. I'm I'm gonna give it two. Um it's not great, but it's got something slightly endearing about it. But would I be in a rush to watch it again? Probably not for the next five years at least. So I'm gonna stick with two. Uh Deb. Yeah, I'm down for two as well. I've written it down. So um it's not bad enough to be funny. I was expecting something to be um, a bit more entertaining and it was um, a bit of a wasted time, really. Apart from the fact that I can now go and watch the Lower Decks episode again. You know, I was just going to say, now, I was the most negative, I think, on this episode with this this episode uh, story. Yeah, on the one that's given me and Drew are the ones that give me the higher marks now. No, because Murray's not been it. Murray's not been Murray it. Might give it a five, yeah. He might give it a five, but before he does, I'm not sure whether it's to change not. mine now because I don't really. <laughs> no, not, I don't want to be the most positive when I wasn't the most positive. <laughs> We've got to take your first answer, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, I think dear. you were the most positive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, Murray. You sure, <laughs> right? Oh, I was actually going to say was. Um, it sounds tough, but I think you guys have talked me around, which is weird since two. I was going to go for two. Um, but thinking back, and this might be distance, um, could be that I'm you know, full and whenever I've been properly fed, I'm always a bit happier. So it could be, you know, just situation. But I was actually, I think this one's been, it's just made it up to three um, and no more. You know, it's, it's scraped to three because, uh, yeah, I was, I was entertained. I wasn't bored. Um, and it didn't do anything... You know, there's definitely worse episodes of Star Trek out there, and not in the worst, haha, but it's funny we can watch it. It's worse as in, good God, this is, you know, um, to give you the difference, Spock's brain is, oh God, this is terrible, Pat, but it's quite funny. Whereas Turnabout Intruders, just horrific, you know, it's, it's a you know, TOS world, Turnabout Intruders, horrifically sexist and just generally unpleasant to watch. So, um, and there are episodes which are just dull. Um, which it isn't. So I, I think it's scraped to three for me. But you know, if I could call it a low three, I would. But we don't. There's there's a light. A light's on or it's off. We don't have a dimmer switch here. Three point one four one five nine two six. <laughs> We're not good That's not that many. Pie. That's a duck true thing. That is. No. <laughs> well, that's excellent. So I believe next part we go on to it is listener feedback. So, yeah, so this first uh, piece of feedback is actually in relation to last week's episode, which was uh, Sub Rosa, um, which is from Dave K. Um, and uh, Dave says, been hanging to hear this and really enjoyed. A very good discussion, although you were a lot more generous on the plot and acting than I was. 
There are bad but fun Trek apps I adore. This one I just found bad. But still a fun discussion. Trek them out. Um, so that was Dave. Thank you, Dave. Uh, you you and that was a very generous um, uh, review of our chat as well, I thought. Uh, so we then have uh, Rob Birch at Birch 333 And they say... I'm actually quite fond of this one. It's by no means DS9's best outing or even the best of this season, but it has an old school nostalgia to it. And it's fun to see the crew interacting and dealing with the puzzles. Cheers for that, Rob. Okay. <laughs> so the next piece of feedback is Eddie from NYC. I believe that's New York City. And he says, overhated episode. It's dopey, but fun. Totally agree with that, Eddie. I haven't read a Jack McMorrow essay in a while, so I think it's my turn. Um, so Jack says, a few years ago, I said the Trek This Out random episode selector was an amazing piece of kit until it picks an episode, The Ilk of the <laughs> My opinion on it hasn't changed. This is so bad, it set the cats and dogs against each other. It's so clear <laughs> it was written, produced and acted before the writers and actors had anything but the mere semblance of a hold on the characters. As happens in the embryonic stages of any show, as such, this is trying to do new things in Star Trek, but the reach is far short of its grasp. The end in Deus Ex Machina of they were all okay in the end just robs the whole episode of any stakes. That finale was entirely unearned and stinks of the writers writing themselves into a corner, then attempting to solve it with a last minute bodge job. None of the actors in this give a bad turn, none give us anything great either. The season one makeup on René Aubergeonis' Odo is particularly distracting. This episode is a dissertation written by AI instead of the student, but one which fooled the professors into awarding it at first. Alan Moraine counted one nearly flat bulb out of five. Also, <laughs> it shall be red-shirted and sent to the circle of hell with TNG's Shades of Grey and Jeffrey Archer. Don't start, don't start a Trek newbie with this one. Although I'm looking forward to Terry, Armin, Garrett and Robbie discussing this on their podcast and counting how many times sorry is said. <laughs> I do, Dave K. Yep. I first saw this episode when it was broadcast in Australia in the 90s, aged about 14 or 15. Oops, people are so young. It struck me, it struck in my mind as a weird but fun and different sort of episode. Not a classic, but quirky and enjoyable. Only decades later did I learn that Trek fan consensus was this was one of the worst episodes ever. But watching it again as an adult, I'm sticking to my initial view. Is it a classic? Of course not. But one of the joys of Deep Space Nine, my favourite of the Trek series, was the ability to try different things. Trek would be first off, worse off without episodes like this. A solid three lights. I do. I do agree that you know Trek does need to push the boundaries and try different things, and I'm not normally against that. Um, but uh, yeah, not this one. Okay, I will take uh, the feedback from uh, PD York, the writer. Um, so PD says, uh, "Cheesy in a TOS campy way, invasive procedures is still the worst." So, yeah, there are definitely worse episodes. Um, do Connie too. Yes. Yeah, I'll do Connie too. And 
Connie just says, um, J Cool LL, one of your faves. Um, I've, I've, I'll might as well take that third piece just because they're all short anyway. So, um, last one was mm. Tre- Trekkie Explorer, who said, "Bloody love this episode. I had no idea it was crap until I got to more and more Trekkies. I think they're all wrong <laughs> if you stop taking themselves so seriously. It's good camp fun for my favorite Trek series. So yeah, um, it turns out we're wrong. Um, <laughs> that, that last one there was from our Sarah uh, oh, from the sorry. Davies yeah. family." Yeah, no, oh, I was just going to say, it's always, it's always strange when you find out an episode Richard that you don't think is too bad, and uh, and it turns out that everyone hates it, isn't it? There's loads of them that are like that. I, I don't think Voyager Threshold's that bad, but until you you hear all the hate about it, it's another fun episode. Maybe we'd have to do that one at some point. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I, I've got quite controversial opinions on Threshold, I think, so I think that could be... Um, I think we need to pencil that in with a, a Voyager fan. <laughs> should, should we actually say, if people do have ideas of interesting episodes that have... Um, a controversial opinion or a very camp because I like that too. Um, then nominate them and uh, and also if you want to come on and talk about it, I can't promise that we'd get everybody on, but it would be um, it would be good to get um, some ideas from other people. As Deb says, we we are fully booked up for the next few episodes, but anybody that mm. wants to uh, come on, we shall obviously book you in as soon as mm. we can. Or just yeah, suggest I mean, an episode that well, we yeah, or if you even if you don't want to come yeah. on, we could you could always suggest them. Uh, we could always uh, grab somebody to talk about an episode in a later podcast. And you've heard from this, they will literally let anyone on. <laughs> yes, you have been begging us for a few years, you know, and we yeah, yeah. finally relented. Uh, I mean, I do feel sorry for everybody on this podcast that we've had to actually do a podcast with you, Murray. Yes. It's, I, I, I'll find my way in eventually. It's uh, <laughs> relentless, <laughs> like possibly the Borg, but not as effective. Um, you will be assimilated. I woke up this morning, put on my red shirt. Oh, So, uh, the next part of this, I believe we've got to nominate the red shirt of the week. Um, The bit that I think people always struggle with or sometimes really don't struggle with. So, um, I suppose we'll start with Suki. Do you have a nominee? Yes, you. How (laughs) dare you take my chance to do feedback? You took the last three feedback straight on. Just because they were short ones, you don't, don't go around taking them again. I could have read Sorry. one of them out in probably you know much better way than you did. I should have yep. read them, but you know you decided you're going to do the last three pieces of feedback and not let me have a chance to actually read anymore. You only let me read out one piece of feedback all episode. Murray, you're my red shirt of the week. That's fair. There you go. True. Sorry, didn't mean to shout at you. It's okay. <laughs> well, I'd already uh, penciled in Suki, but I think he's just compounded it then. <laughs> I was already going to say, oh, you're giving Murray a poor, a bit of a hard time there, like saying, oh, we've had to have you on the podcast, and now you're just like kicking the man when he's even more down. So, yeah, it's going to be... deserves it. He deserves it. (laughs) Andrea? Um, I'm going to nominate Sucky. I just feel like, you know, if he's a Liverpool fan, he he should die in a red shirt the way his team has today. Good grief, Andrea. Andrea. 
There was no need. Andrea, bam. There was absolutely no need to bring football into this. I mean, I'm hurting as it is. And then you decide to bring it even more. Make me down even more. This is so wrong. I've just told a lie because I did see a little bit of the match. And actually, Liverpool were dressed like in purple. They looked like Milka wrappers. So, you know, so they were actually wearing red shirts. But, you know, (laughs) we can be metaphorical here. Deb? This this is the point as well that this is this man voluntarily does wear um, red shirts. It's a very good point. Um, but I was just wondering if I could nominate Adma of the week, it would be Murray for not letting Suki read out a listener's feedback. I just thought that was <laughs> superb. He's my hero now. I'm also uh, a bit worried that Drew still has zombie Jason Isaacs pinned up to the wall. It, it does scare me a bit, and uh, I think you should treat Jason Isaacs with more dignity. But uh, now I'm going to have to register Suki because it's funny. <laughs> Absolutely no need. And well, I was I always find this one. Yeah, this, this is always the difficult part. But uh, but yeah, he shouted at me, and uh, well, <laughs> well, I don't actually mean. Uh, you deserved it. You <laughs> did. absolutely deserved it. I and might then, have deserved it, but you still shouted at me. I had so, to raise my voice. It's the only way I can get my point across. <laughs> and you're also already having a bad day, so it's not like I can ruin it more. Um, yes, you, can. So, yeah. you can. You can make it well, worse. Okay, I mean, so. look at it. Look at it now. You may, you're going to kill me off as a red shirt. How do you, you could have just as easily gone? I'm going to make it better for you. I'll get you a cupcake. I'll get you some. Actually, don't get me cupcakes. I was at a three year old birthday party yesterday, and they oh. gave them cupcakes, and they screamed their heads off for a full hour and a half. <laughs> did my head in. But anyway. is that what you do? If we give you a cupcake, do you scream no, your head off? I wouldn't do that because there's sugar in there. And, you know, it's bad for me. So now you'd have to find some other ways to make yes. me scream. But no, it's also because it's definitely not a deciding vote, and I'm always a coward in those situations. So, uh, yeah, I'm going for a Suki. <laughs> uh, so how? Well, I think it's obvious he he is going to be trapped. I don't in, think it's uh, obvious at all. I, I think uh, you know. I, I was going to say I he, should have been voted off at all. You all ganged up on me for no reason at all. <laughs> no reason. He, he's going to end up in a a a, a, a wadi. Um, Strange board game stuck solving puzzles involving drinking and strange dances and what. But there's no peril. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, no and wake up in the bar at the end. Yeah. No, it's I a turn of hopscotch. I was going to say they're going to invent a special shop just for Suki, where like he's got to like <laughs> got to watch like Manchester United's greatest victories for the next thousand years. Oh, unusual. Listen to that guy from the Wadi, like just being smug and laughing at his own banter. Like I, I think that's. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea, yeah, this is you don't don't go around saying things like that. You know, this is just utterly, utterly horrible. I, I, just, I think that's an excellent idea. There's don't no back her up, Deb. <laughs> don't back her up. <laughs> Terrible. Thank you, everyone, for uh, joining us today. I think we had a, a, a interesting and constructive discussion on our. I think. We may have accidentally rehabilitated the episode. Um, you know, I don't think any of us came out intending to, but uh, this is where we are. So um, thanks, everyone, once again for joining us. Um, and uh, do remember to uh, you know, subscribe to the feed. And uh, I'm sure Drew and the rest of the... Drew, Suki, Drew and the rest of the gang will all be back uh, next time to discuss another episode of Star Trek on a later date. Uh, Suki, is there anything planned? 
Oh yeah, we, we have got some loads of episodes planned. It's just we haven't got yeah. anything definite ready for next yeah. next time around, but we shall yeah. do. But but keep an eye on the feed. Uh, you can follow it uh, on Twitter um, at at Trek This Out. Um, are you guys on anything else yet? Blue Sky Instagram. Uh, we're on remember. Instagram. Uh, we're also on Facebook. We are also on Threads. Well, actually, now I'm on Threads. I've got a set up. And and how can we find you, Murray? And what are you plugging? Oh. So you can, I suppose, I, well, you can find me um, occasionally murmuring nonsense um, on sometimes Twitter, sometimes Blue Sky, both um, at Pyman70. Um, and you can also, if you really want to, you can see me play uh, Star Trek Online badly um, on YouTube. Uh, if you look for Murray Christen on YouTube, you can see me play Star Trek Online um, and watch that. So if you're wanting to see what Star Trek Online is but don't want to actually play it, that's a solution. That's uh, all the so kids can... are doing nowadays, isn't it? They just watch someone yeah. else playing a game. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to be with the kids. I'll watch you play something, Murray. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, um, White Pie Man 70? White Pie Man. Uh, it's um, an old... So way, way back in the dawn of time, um, I... When I was at first run through uni, I joined an American football team, and it was because I was a chubby guy. They said I was the guy who ate all the pies, so it sort of evolved vaguely to <laughs> pie man. And the number seventy was the number I played under because it was American football. And to this day, I don't entirely. There was a ball involved. I never saw. It. I just ran into people. Three years, I just ran into the person in front of me every Sunday and then got yeah, drunk. It's um, one of them games that I just don't I, understand. I know the rules, but I just don't understand. I enjoy watching it, but I'm still vaguely a. You know, a thing's happened. What's happened? A thing. But playing it particularly, it's the it was the you know, did we do well? Uh yes, we did. Oh good. <laughs> have we moved back onto the episode or something? Did I just miss a bit there? What are we talking about? <laughs> I just where Pie Man 70 came from. But yes, it's the downside of setting up all your internet identities back when you were like in your early twenties. Um <laughs> they've stuck. Um but yes, my yeah, so that, that's the history of that one. So right, sign us yeah, off then, young man. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, um, yes. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. Thanks, everyone out there for listening. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this. And again, uh, I hope we'll uh, all see you again, or you'll be listening again for another episode of Check This Out. But uh, from all of us, that's bye for now. Bye. 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 Lighters. Happy <laughs> birthday, mum. <laughs> but you didn't say the rhyme. Alamorane, count to four. Alamorane, then three more. Alamorane, if you can see. Alamorane, you'll come with me. Come on, just say the rhyme. Alamorane, then three more. Alamorane, if you can see. Alamorane, you'll come with me. Alamorane, count to four. Alamorane, then three more. Alamorane, if you can see. Alamorane, you'll come with me. Alamorane, you'll come with me. Where's your cameo from your mother? You know, I know, I know. She's not, she's not come up. Yeah. I, I was expecting um singing. I thought it's gonna be singing Alan Moraine, Deb. <laughs> no, you can all sing Happy Birthday to my mum. Yeah. We'll do this as a, an Easter egg for the end of the episode. <laughs> oh, oh, she's. I think she's watching. Ah, it's a lovely place. Isn't she? Look at her. Look at her. Yeah. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Look at her. 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 Look at her
Oh, can you pause that for a minute, please, Dad? Oh, don't do that. Let Dad watch it. Hello. 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 Is it your birthday yes, again? We, I think oh, every time yeah, you come no. on, it's for a birthday. No, I only have one a year, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's only right once a year that you get Deb to come around. <laughs> you found it's that right. funny? You found that funny? No, I know. It's mean. Yeah. That's my whole reason, Doctor, you know, to be mean. Uh, <laughs> So uh, it's your birthday. So we, we are going to sing "Happy Birthday," are we not, people? I believe oh, we are. the timing yes. will go out. It will sound. Oh, exciting! Yeah, yes, be, you know, we'll 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 sort it out in the end. Uh, right. So, <laughs> happy birthday hey, to you. you. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. you. Happy birthday, birthday, happy birthday, 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 birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Hip hip. Hey, hey. thank hip, hip. you. Hey! hey. Oh, sorry, you're all you're getting is two, not three, because your daughter's <laughs> been mean to me. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's lovely. Because no you're giving me the bumps. Well, <laughs> Hello. Get back to what you're watching then. Yeah, I'm not watching anything. Call me. Oh, he's not watching anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, Murray, do you want to do your uh, signing off? You'd best end this podcast, Murray, yeah. I reckon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where we're going to go yeah. next. Yeah, so <laughs> before, it goes, uh, before I take it in and start showing you my family. Um, <laughs> don't, kids are weird. Um, so, uh, yeah, well. Thank you for listening. And you can find us all on Twitter as a group. You can find us on at TrekLessOutPod. Or you can go to our Facebook page at TrekLessOut. Just uh, Google that. Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter as uh, Sidemat underscore 151. So you can find me on Twitter as at Vintage1983V if you're into Star Trek shitposting um, and a lot of other thirst. Um, if you particularly like to follow me Star Trek art, um, have a look on Instagram for Vin of the Basement. Uh, and I'm just Lofty, L-U-F-F-D-E-E -E, on Twitter. But if you are interested in knowing our obsession about Jason Isaacs, um, you can find me, Kat and Andrea posting weird stuff about Jason Isaacs. Hashtag Team Basement. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as 23BDI. <laughs>